reminder, if you ever want, we do have bulletins in the back that are mostly designed for kids, but if you're a note taker, they're always fun to have, so we always have those on the back table ready for you. So last week, we spent most of our time working through our memory verse, in all reality. Uh, Most of our message last week was centered around those first couple of verses in Ephesians chapter 4. So let's repeat them together. I'll put them up on the screen as normal, and they say it together. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. In our memory verse, Paul is giving us qualities that we should as believers be allowing God to work through our lives. We are called to lowliness, to gentleness, to long-suffering, and bearing with one another in love. And Paul said that ultimately, each of these gifts, they're not just for us only, but they are character traits that can improve us personally, and they're gifts that can be used for others' benefit as well, as we serve those who are around us. Last week, I even gave the example of a math problem, and I said that God's ability plus you equals serving others, as ultimately, that is the reason why he's giving us these gifts, is to become a service to other people. He wants us to serve one another in love. That's why that last thing said, bearing with one another in love. You see, God has brought you toward himself in a relationship, not only to improve your life, but also the lives of those around you. And this is exactly what happened when Jesus was speaking to Zacchaeus. You, guys, you, you might remember the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was a... You guys remember that song? So he goes over to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Apparently the guy's on, lit on the short side. So he climbs up a sycamore tree and Jesus is passing by. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down that tree because I'm going to your house today, okay? So Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus puts on a huge meal. And uh, at the meal, Zacchaeus makes this proclamation of faith that he's going to trust Jesus and follow Jesus, and he's going to give back everything that he's ever wronged. And Jesus says in Luke 19.9, he says, today salvation has come to this household. And what he's not saying is he's not saying like the Mormons believe that he could, through his own faith, save other people. He's not saying that his faith has saved other people, but what he is saying is that his faith is changing the course of his entire household, that his response to Jesus Christ, his internal response and then his outward reflection of that response is going to change his entire house, and that he's changing the direction of his entire lineage because he has decided to trust God, and his faith has changed that. His lifestyle ultimately would lead those around him towards God. And that's ultimately what God is calling us to. That's what we were designed for. This we also saw last week as the Spirit of God is the great unifier. Uh, He brings every believer together under one banner. And he reunites all mankind with their creator in one relationship. We saw the character qualities of our calling to serve one another last week. And Paul's actually going to be continuing to build on that this week as we move forward. You see, God hasn't just given us these abilities to develop traits in each of us, but he's given these gifts, and the Spirit's actually going to give us other gifts as well that are supernatural, beyond our own abilities, and he's empowering us through those. And we're going to work verses 7 through 16 this week. Now, here's a question. Have you ever wondered where you fit in with God's house? You ever wondered, well, how can I be a service to God? How do I fit in with this church? Like, where's my role? Have you you ever wondered that? How do I fit in with this local church? The good news is that God has given us 
different gifts, and he's brought us together for a very purpose. These gifts are the things we're going to be talking about today. So today, the title is For Profit of All, For the Profit of All, as we're working through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. Today, we're going to look at three main points. The first one's going to be for unto everyone, and then he himself gave, and then for the saints. And each of these titles are actually directly from the scripture as we're working through them. Today's message is going to be a little bit shorter because some of the other things we have planned. So hopefully you'll be like, wow, that was over quick and not like, man, that Pastor Jake, he can be long-winded, but we'll see. Okay, so let's start off by reading our first verse. Uh, You can open your Bibles up. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll put some of them on the screen as normal, and we'll also be reading some of them out of the scriptures as well. First one will be on the screen. First one says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. It starts with grace. God has graciously decided to give us good things. Remember, grace is giving us things, good things that we don't deserve. That's what grace is. God has chosen to rain down upon us these great things. Kind of like presents at a birthday party from your grandparents and your parents. Did they ever rain down gifts on you when you were a kid? Or as grandparents and parents, do you rain down a whole bunch of gifts that the kid really doesn't deserve, but you're just like, I want to give this kid gifts because, you know, they're a special kid? That's what God is doing through his own grace. He is giving us gifts that we don't necessarily deserve just because he wants to be good to us. And so he gives us these gifts. It's the way he chooses us on purpose. Now, as believers, we are each given gifts, but these gifts are as unique as each one of us. You see, God doesn't want us to be a carbon copy of the person next to us. He gives us different, unique gifts, as unique as each of us are. So they have been given to us so that we can function in the body as believers as a particular way. Um, If you look at Paul's words in his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul actually says these words. He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that's where that title comes in, for the profit of all. You see, we've been given individual and specific gifts for the purpose of building up the body of believers around us. We're given different things in our lives to be able to help. Your gift has been given to you for the benefit of everyone that you meet, especially those in the church you attend with, because you see them regularly and you build up this body of believers. Now, in our family devotions, we've been working through the book of Judges, and we came across our most recent judge. His name was Samson. Anybody remember Samson? Samson is uh, one of the judges that is a very interesting tale as you read through his life. Uh, He was set apart from birth, to have a very unique and specific role designed by God. God had a very specific plan for Samson. Now, if you're familiar with the story, Samson is given incredible strength by God from birth as long as he keeps the covenant and doesn't cut his hair. As long as he doesn't cut his hair. Now, in many ways, in the Old Testament, Samson's kind of like... Kind of like Superman in all reality. He's got super strength. But like Superman, he has a kryptonite, something that completely, utterly destroys him. And really, at the end of the day, it's his pride and his selfishness. And Samson ultimately tries to follow his own desires instead of following God's directions for his life. And God has these great plans. And unfortunately, what you see as you're reading Samson's tale, Samson does these amazing things, but it's all through Samson serving himself. In all reality, God does amazing things through Samson despite Samson. Not because Samson chose to follow God, 
but because God can work through anything. He can work through the worst of us. And he still uses Samson. And ultimately, Samson's selfish pride destroys him. God could have used Samson if Samson had been willing to completely pull them out of the bondage of the Philistines. But he used his gift only for himself. And he kind of becomes a cautionary tale of where unchecked pride can lead us. Now, we're each given gifts by God. Maybe ours aren't as obvious as Samson's, but our gift has a very specific purpose. There's a commentator by the name of J. Vernon McGee. You may have heard of him. He said this, a gift is given to every member of the body to enable him to function for a very definite reason in his position within the body. What he's saying is the exact same thing I've been saying. You were given a gift as unique as you are for your unique position so that you can be useful to the kingdom of God for his purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life and he has a perfect plan for you if you allow him to be first in your life, to allow him to lead your life. If you have your Bible open, let's actually look at the next two verses together. I'll just put the reference on the screen. We're gonna look at eight through 10, chapter four, verses eight through 10. It says, therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. So verse 8 is actually a quote from Psalm 68, 18. It's a reference to what Jesus did right after he completed his work on the cross, Uh, It's my belief and many others uh, that Jesus, after he died, he went to what we call paradise. Uh, So paradise is where all of the Old Testament saints went. They actually didn't go to heaven because heaven is actually, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, which means place isn't set yet. He's actually going to go make a place. So the Old Testament saints went to a different place. And what happened is Jesus goes down, he grabs them from where they are in paradise and actually brings them to the first time to God's feet in heaven. And so he actually brings them as a present, as a gift to God, those of the beliefs. And then what he does is he takes the gifting of the Holy Spirit and brings it back down to earth. So he's actually just kind of redistributing gifts everywhere, Uh, some to God and then some to mankind being the Spirit of God. And this is actually something we've recently covered as on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was given to all believers for the first time ever. Remember, all the way up until the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was only given to one person for a specific time, for a specific purpose, and then it would disappear. But since Jesus' death and resurrection, he gave us the eternal gift of the Holy Spirit as long as we are here on the earth. It's kind of God's seal saying that that one is mine. It's a salvation commitment from God saying, I will not leave you or forsake you. I will not give you up. So he's given us that gift of the Holy Spirit. We're baptized into one baptism. And in so doing, he gives us certain gifts. He enables each of us to function as members. So this is going to bring us to our second point. He himself gave. So we've been talking about gifts. And you're probably like, okay, Pastor, you got to get on with it. What are these gifts that you're talking about? Uh, What are those gifts? The next verse says this. I'll put it on the screen. It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Each and every single one of these is actually a leadership position. God has given us different ways to lead others towards him. And we're actually going to be working our way through these today. 
having a proper understanding of these will help you have a clear understanding of the church as a whole and what God is designing. This isn't all of the gifts. This is just some of the leadership positions that are in the church, and they happen to follow in our verses. One of the most important things to remember in this whole section, if you get nothing else, is the verse that says, and he himself gave. Right there at the beginning, he himself gave. Who gives these gifts? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone determines these gifts. He has the authority to give these gifts. We don't get to choose them. He selects who gets which gift. It's by his power and by his choice. So let's look at them together. First on the list is going to be apostles. Apostles. Okay, you've probably heard of the apostolic church. Yeah, I know. I said it funny. Uh, you've probably also heard of the Catholic Pope. Okay, both believe that this position is still in use today. They believe that uh, they have what they call apostolic succession happening, and they actually pass this gift down by the laying of hands. However, what we believe as a church is that an apostle is a man who had only seen, uh, you had to have seen the resurrected Jesus in bodily form. This is one of the prerequisites that scripture clearly gives us that you had to see him directly and personally be commissioned by him as well for your job title. Paul gives us very clear qualifications for what an apostle was and did. And Galatians 1.1 and 1.11 through 12, I'll read them both. It says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He's saying, I didn't get this calling because some man laid hands on me and said, you're the next guy. Jesus Christ himself gave me this position. And then he follows it up. He says, but I make it known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man. God's word is not man-made story. For neither I received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through me through revelation Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ directly gave Paul his instruction. And so we actually find consistently in scripture that an apostle is a person who actually saw the resurrected Jesus Christ and was given that position. Understanding this and why this office was created uh, really helps us understand that it actually has long since disappeared from the church. This was kind of a, uh, an office in all reality that as everything was changing was very necessary. Uh, they had uh, a bunch of spiritual gifts that they could actually have. In fact, we believe that they could operate in all the spiritual gifts, uh, but it is no longer necessary because of the way the church has changed. I'll talk about that more in a moment. It was something that was only needed at the beginning to kind of get things moving forward. The, the list goes on to the next word is prophets. He goes into prophets. Now, the gift of prophecy is often very misunderstood. So, Take what you think of prophecy for just a second, set it aside, and let's go back to t Paul's time period. And this is a time where the written word was very uncommon. In fact, it is even more uncommon for people to be able to read it. Even if you had it in front of you, most people still couldn't read it. So the word was not well easily um, available to most people at this point. The gift of prophecy was given towards special men, including the apostles, to have a special understanding of Scripture so they could actually explain the Scripture, to explain the doctrines and to show faith and to proclaim it to those around him. In rare occasions, this means telling the future, but that's less than 1%. And unfortunately, we're like, oh, prophet, you can tell the future. That's like less than 1% of all the prophecy given in Scripture. In fact, actually, as you're going through, prophecy means speak forth or declare the divine will of God. The main purpose of this gift is to tell others about the Word of God, of what he has already said. In fact, if you go back through the Old Testament prophets, 
Most of what they're saying is, this is what God has said. The word of the Lord has said, and he is going to fulfill his promises. 95, 98% of what they're saying is not new revelation. They're just saying, this is what God has already said. They're retreading what God has already said, not giving brand new information. Now, they reminded the nation what God had already said. And technically, anyone speaking or telling others what God has already said, by this definition, then, would be prophesying. So if you're reading out of God's word, technically, you'd be a prophet by that definition. However, this particular job or calling looked different today uh, because in our hands, we have the completed work. Okay, back then, they didn't have the completed work. So someone had to have special knowledge of the work. They couldn't just carry around. If you've ever gotten a chance to see the Torah scrolls, uh, and if you ever get a chance, I, I, I just, it would be a beautiful thing. I've actually got a piece of deer skin in my kitchen uh, that is 200 years old, and it's just a small section of the Torah scrolls. And uh, the book of Isaiah weighs like 60 pounds, uh, and it's this huge three-foot roll, uh, and I've actually held uh, a full thing. Uh, you couldn't carry around more than one book, and it just, it was really hard to come by. So you had to memorize everything. So God had to enable special people. Now, he's not giving a new message today. Everything's already been written. We no longer need someone to tell of next events. God has already put it down. So be very careful around those who declare themselves to be prophets. Be very careful because often they are not following clear biblical precedent. That's my warning for today. Evangelists. Evangelists. In the old days, in the early days of the uh, New Testament, evangelists were traveling missionaries. In all reality, evangelists are traveling missionaries. They... Uh, we're not the evangelists that we have today. I used to go to a church out in uh, Missouri uh, where we had a traveling evangelist come every year and he would kind of do prep rallies essentially uh, for four days and he would kind of try to get everybody up on an emotional high, try to get people saved. And that you might be thinking of when you think evangelist. But back in Paul's day, there was no committee to send people out to be missionaries. There was no back funding. There was no fundraising. It was you went to a new mission field all by yourself and God prepared the way in front of you. Those who went to tell the good news went out without a backing organization like we do today. So these days, evangelists are still those who proclaim the good news, who go and preach the gospel and who evangelize the lost. You are an evangelist if you evangelize the lost. So if you're telling the truth of God's word with the purpose of bringing them to the knowledge of Christ you've become an evangelist. Pastors. Now, the pastor is the uh, shepherd of the local flock of believers, obviously the church. Um, you guys are probably the most familiar with this one. For this position in the Bible, there are three words that are used interchangeably. You're going to find elder, overseer, and pastor, and they're used interchangeably for this position, elder, overseer, and pastor. The Bible uses them all for this position, uh, just kind of giving different perspectives of the same job. This role has very specific qualifications. What's interesting is this is one of those roles that has a list of like bullet point qualifications. You have to meet X, Y, and Z. This is a very important role within the church today. This is the reason why Paul has put out so much. You'll find those qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, and Titus chapter 1, 5 through 9. We'll actually get into those more later. Uh, for today's time frame, we're not going to be looking at those so much, but we will get to them when we get to the uh, book of 1 Timothy. Now, the last one on the list is teachers. We have teachers. Um, we have Sunday school teachers that are working out in the back right now. They have dedicated their time and their effort to teaching. And we'll be soon recognizing that dedication and effort here and not too long from now. 
However, the role in Scripture of teacher is for anyone who instructs somebody else in biblical knowledge. Who instructs somebody else in biblical knowledge. So, have you ever had somebody else ask you a question about the Bible that you were able to answer? You became a teacher in that moment. Have you ever told your children or the children around you something about God's word? They're asking you, hey, what about this? And you told them. You became a teacher in that moment. We become teachers for different things. Now, Not everyone is called to become a full-time teacher. There's a certain dedication that those who pursue this as a lifetime calling have to have and an endurance that they have to have. As Michaela can probably tell you as she is training for her degree, not everybody is cut out to be a full-time teacher. And that's okay. But each of us become teachers as we purposely go out and tell other people about God's word and we instruct them in it. Ultimately, each of us have been given gifts and God has given us all these gifts for a very similar purpose and that is our last point today, which is for the saints. So read the next verses with me and I'll put them on the screen as well. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. God has an ultimate goal with everything of these gifts, to equip the saints. The saints, that means you, okay? That you guys are the saints. So that God calls you a saint. Don't let that go to your head, okay? I, I know some of you might let that go. Don't, you are a saint. God calls you that. Okay, the purpose of each and every single one of these gifts is to prepare you to be able to walk out of these doors and tell the world about the gospel, to tell the world about the love of Jesus, to be able to work within this body here and to encourage each other and to go out and tell others about the love of the God who loves you. These gifts have been given to edify or to instruct towards the benefit and uplifting of every person here today. We we are each given these to help each other out. While there are people that are fulfilling these positions in an official capacity, Uh, It is every single one of us doing our part which will actually make this work. We each have to be willing to do our part if we are going to be doing the way that this has been designed. Unfortunately, in the church age, especially the modern church age, since the pastor started getting paid to deliver messages, across the church there's this mindset that says, well, we pay the pastor and he does his job so I don't really have to do anything. And now I'm not going to blame you any more than myself. I'm not blaming you. I'm saying the church as a general, as a whole, unfortunately has not taken up the responsibility of individually preaching the gospel. And you can take one look at our nation today and you can say, if every believer preached the word and lived the word, we would be living in a different place. Now, I'm not blaming you, like I said, any more than I'm blaming myself, but these words should be an encouragement to us as we each have been given a gift to share with those who we come in contact with. Now, I want to say this. I want to say, no, you don't have my gift because you won't reach the people that I'm going to reach just as I don't have your gift because I'll never reach and have the influence that you do. And that's okay. God has designed us each uniquely. And we can look at another person and say, man, I wish I could teach like that person or I wish I could speak like that person. That's okay. God designed you to be you because you're important and he placed you only where you could be. So he's designed you specifically and that's okay. God designed you so that you could reach the people around you with the spiritual gifts that you have because only you could do it. 
Today's message is a bit shorter on purpose because of what we're gonna be doing in just a couple of minutes. We're gonna be celebrating those who have stepped up and allowed God to use them where they are at, shortcomings and all. They've decided, you know what, God, I'm gonna be used by you. I know I might fail once or twice, but I'm still gonna be used by you. And that's what it takes. And all I'm asking you today is, are you willing to do the same where God has placed you? Today, I have two closing questions as we end the service. What spiritual gifts has God given to you? If you've never looked at the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, there are many more outside of these leadership positions, and we'll get to those at one point. Uh, but God has given those. Have you identified those? If you have not, I would be willing to actually work those through with you to help you identify those. God has designed you to tell his message in a way that only you can. Only you can. He's given those gifts to you to help you towards that very end. The last thing that I have is, do you believe that God has designed you specifically for where you have been placed? It's a long question. Do you believe that God has designed you specifically for where you have been placed? Anyways, with a God who knows absolutely everything, there are no accidents. There can be no accidents. You were not an accident. God made you on purpose. You are alive during this time, in this age, on purpose. You do not live where you live by accident. You do not know the people that you know by accident. Do you believe it? There are people that he wants to reach and he wants you to be his mouthpiece. But you have to believe in his purpose and his plan first. Let's close in prayer. Father, I do thank you for today. I thank you for the good word that you have brought to us. Lord, I thank you for being willing to work with us, uh, Lord, despite our shortcomings. I thank you for the grace that you show, that you give us good gifts, even when we don't deserve them, because you just want to give us good things. Uh, Father, I thank you for the people that you have assembled here. I thank you for the love that they have for those around them. I thank you for the word that they spread. Help us to be encouraged today by your word, to be remembering that you have called us and given us these things for a greater purpose, to serve others and not just ourselves. Father, I thank you for the good things that you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Jake. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to these messages that we put online. I do pray that these are helpful for the times you just can't be with us in person. I want to remind you that this recording is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be in a community of faith where the Word of God is being preached and proclaimed. We are told by Scripture to gather together so that we each belong to a local body of believers where we are being shaped by being known by using each of our gifts and walking faithfully in God's Word. So thank you again so much for listening and growing with us. I hope you enjoyed today's message.